0: Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Coming at you this evening with um, a drummer uh, for the band Smoke and Mirrors, a drummer for uh, a couple of hip-hop artists including Nile and Genesis Renji, and he's also a producer for uh, the Streetlight Society, uh, which has some really cool stuff going on in the works. Um, I'm uh, looking forward to talking to him about his passions, his artistry, and why he does what he does. Um, it's been a long time coming, so I'm excited to hang out with him. So thank you for joining me today, Sam Casalo. How's
1: it going, man? Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, how are you?
1: Good, dude. Just got off work like an hour ago, so i uh, pushing two hours now. but
0: Yeah. Um, what What do you do?
1: So, yeah, I work for MPS. I'm a paraprofessional. So, oh. teacher, teacher's assistant essentially, but doing everything virtually now, which is like kind of cool, kind of not. It's like I'd rather be there in terms of like mentoring and stuff like that, but it's nice to just kind of uh, get situated with the day as you see fit and then, you know, just log on to a computer, you know? So, that's been cool, but. Yeah, I'd uh, probably rather be live.
0: Yeah. um, So uh, what age group do you work with?
1: Yeah, uh, all different age groups. So realistically, I mean, this year they have me with, uh, I'm trying to think like what the age correlation would be, but fourth and fifth grade is what I'm doing this year. Um, last yep. year was middle school. Oh. So and then I have a, uh, a high school group that I work with not at the school that I'm at but at a different school so that's been like three or four years now so that's been fun but all different age groups it's like my second passion is is teaching and working with kids so
0: that's awesome man really that's great um and fourth and fifth graders are uh they're kind of um wouldn't say they're restless like but they're they're definitely like eager to be like the big kids, you know? Like, yeah. I feel like that's the year where everyone thinks they're like, you know, way cooler than they actually are.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I feel like coming up, at least like an MPS for me, it was like fifth grade was that like top, top dog kind of thing. But now, like, K through eight is a bigger thing now. So, like, they have to be, I mean, if they were in school, they'd be with middle schoolers. So, like, it is a weird dynamic now because there's some of that, but then there's also some, like, uh, you know, the middle schoolers are, like, really top dog at the school. So it's, like, they're the ones that kind of take on that that, uh, personality or whatever.
0: Yeah, for sure. I just remember, like, in fourth, fifth grade, like, everyone talks just hell of shit. You know, like everyone, everyone just has to like you know, outdo each other, like yeah, for, yeah about everything. Uh, I remember that was like that was probably honestly I was more cringy at in fourth and fifth grade probably than I was when I was even younger than that. You know, because yeah. at least back then, like you know, you're just kind of like a free spirit kid that thinks everything is so fascinating you know yeah dude yeah
1: i to me that that's like the middle school years for me even like looking back on my life but then also like the kids that i work with too it's like to me middle school is like the most cringy years and like there's some just like you know awkward things that are said or like whatever and they're starting to get into their like you know what they what they really like you know and like what they you know, who they really are or whatever, but it's still that awkward in-between stage of, like, you know, still trying to please everybody and still trying to, you know, maneuver around, but I feel like the shit talking is just across the board, though, like, oh, yeah. all the kids, like, yeah, like, I've worked with first graders that are just, like, better at, I guess, for them talking trash than, than some of the older kids, but.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> middle school, yeah, I mean definitely cringy too but it's like a I feel like for me middle school was like not so much like I thought I was like a lot cooler than I actually was like I did in fourth and fifth grade but in middle school was kind of like when I started noticing girls and uh, just had no no concept of like what to do or say in the presence of them and uh, I remember like you know, I, when I was like first making friends that like actually talked to girls and they tried to, they like kind of like recruited me to like, you know, look to like buy like cooler clothes and like buy acts and like, you know, (laughs) yeah, but um, to no avail, middle school was still pretty terrible.
1: Yeah, I I can say the same. I like not terrible necessarily, but just like, Definitely, like, if I go back and I'm, like, you know, you look through your old yearbooks or whatever, like, I don't have any of my middle school yearbooks. I don't know what happened to them, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there's, like, a reason for it. You know what I mean? Like, maybe in, like, high school or, like, I don't know. I was, like, what the hell yeah. is going on here?
0: Yeah. All my middle school yearbooks are, like, just have hags and hackists, you know, just written it all over it from, like, everybody. <laughs> um yeah um i do kind of miss that like my high school is so big that we didn't get our yearbooks until like the year after like yeah because it took that long to make but it's i'm sure it's really interesting like working with kids that are like you know in those like adolescent ages because you see a lot like you know you kind of like you empathize with them because you went through that not too long ago like being a kid and yeah you kind of just like get what they're going through you know
1: yeah and there's like definite definite like similarities you know like you're talking about but like two because the age is so close that like I don't know people always throw around like you know like that this generation is so much different or whatever and it's like to me not really I mean like other than some like technological advances and things like that. Like, of course you can say that, but like, dude, in terms of what we're talking about, like just the actual socializing and stuff, it's like pretty much the same, man. Like people, kids still, I mean, unfortunately kids still getting bullied like crazy, but also like kids still having a blast at being kids, you know? So like, to me, it's it's reminiscent of, of when I went to school and I'm sure like what it looked like when you were at school too. So I that's one thing that always sticks out is when people are like, "Yeah, this generation, like, they're they're gonna be lazy or they're entitled or whatever." It's like I think most kids are are pretty entitled. Like most kids yeah. have that sense of like the world is their oyster and everything is theirs, you know?
0: Yeah, and and that's and honestly, I mean, that's kind of human nature. Like you know, like you said, like that's all across the board. I mean, before before there was all this technology to like provide people information like instantaneously. I mean, there were still people like, you know, older generations that expected everyone else to like do things for them or, you know, so it's like the entitlement is just, that's, I think that's human nature and it comes with like class consciousness. But um so are the are the kids like behaving over Zoom? You know, like I know that's been like a big old meme. Is like kids getting punished like over Zoom when they're already in their own house, like.
1: <laughs> well, like honestly, like it's it's been surprisingly like. So last week was the first week, and like, so because for me, like, I'm at this point. My job is really just to sit in on the classes, and if the teacher needs anything, then fine. But you know, mostly I'm just monitoring and small groups kind of thing. But like, dude, the teachers have done like an amazing job, you know, like in terms of the kids are into it too. And like, they've done the best with what they have, I guess, you know, like, it's a shitty situation for everyone involved. But they've done a pretty good job, at least where I'm at, like, I can't speak for every school. But you know, where I'm at, they've been pretty good. I mean, you still get to like, every once in a while, you'll see a kid's screen and like their little brother will start wrestling them in the middle of the the lesson or whatever like but i mean to me like i can deal with that as long as the kids like it's not like a group of kids like anarchy you know like they're just unmuting their mics all at the same time and whatever like the teachers have a pretty good grip on
0: everything that's good that's good um yeah i mean it's you know how everyone memes everything these days like it just becomes Everything is some level of, uh, you know, everything has, like, the capacity to be mocked these days. Anyway, Sam, so what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we examine love and fear, passion and creativity. And, um, you know, drummers are typically, like, some of the most difficult uh, band members to recruit because there's, like, a shortage of drummers everywhere. And that's why a lot of drummers play in several different projects at once. So yeah like the first time I think i i don't know if we met in person, but I do remember like you know I've seen you drum with um with Genesis before I think it was at the eighty eight nine awards like two years ago um that was when I like first knew of you um but then like first time we ever actually like spoke and interacted was um I think we did in passing a couple times, but we really actually talked, when I talked to you for breaking and entering, at the Smoke and Mirrors show, um, I want to say, it might have been, was it in January? It was it was last winter.
1: Yeah, it must have been, because I think we had another gig, the reason I remember like kind of the timeline is just because we had another gig lined up there, and then the pandemic hit like that week so that and i think we had played there the month before so it had to have been february i think but okay late yeah. february or something like that
0: yeah okay yeah it was it was last winter and it was at Boone and Crockett and i'd never seen a show there actually like i've only just been there to get shit faced but um, but it was cool to actually see live music there and um hear a little bit about your guys project um so yeah, man. Uh, I guess we'll we'll start here, Sam. Where where are you originally from?
1: So I'm yeah, born and raised in Milwaukee, and then yeah, went to school here. Went to school at UWM. So yeah, I'm a Milwaukee kid.
0: Dope. So I am originally from the Chicago area, but I came up here for UWM. Um, what years have, did you go to UWM? Is it? Twenty fourteen to eighteen.
1: Okay. So yeah, I graduated in 2014. So you were, you were coming right as I was going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I guess tell me a little bit about when you started, uh, you know, playing music, like when you were younger, like when did it all start?
1: Sure. Um, so I think started when I was like seven or eight It was one of the two guys. I, I know I was in like third grade. And then uh, started with MPS, like their whole rec department has like music lessons and shit. So I took like the, my parents enrolled me. I think like most kids at that age are taking like piano or something like that. So I was doing that through school and I just like absolutely hated it. But my parents like really wanted me to do music. Like they were like, you know, choose another instrument or something like that. So, I really wanted to play drums, which is another thing I think a lot of kids at that age like are either drawn to like drums or guitar or something like that so I just chose- the
0: the hitting things aspect I think it is yeah
1: it's it's the loud obnoxious- it's the beginning of rebellion, I think is what what it is but
0: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah so i I chose drums and like just loved it dude like I mean, yeah, so I started in third grade, and then by the time I got to middle school um they had a drum line and it was like, it was over at that point. I mean, like once I, once I had known about the drum line, like I didn't know the impact it was going to have, but that was uh, eye-opening and like a really good learning experience just because of, I mean, that's one of the few environments I think where you're usually with your class. Like if you're in sixth grade, you're with the sixth graders. If you're in seventh grade, you're with an eighth grade. Whereas like things like drumline and, you know, I'd probably say like cheerleading or something like that, where it's like, you're really mixing all the grades together. And so yeah. it was such a diverse environment for for me and, and just like learning from older kids and then becoming one of those older kids and then being able to teach. And it's like, it, it really taught me that like le- leading and following are like, they go hand in hand, you know, because like, I couldn't have... I couldn't have done drumline if I wasn't following somebody else, but I also couldn't have done it if I wasn't leading at some point either. So I would say drumline was like the biggest, biggest influence in like my band directors during that time as well. But um, so, yeah, that's how I kind of sparked that I knew drumming was going to have a big impact on my life, or at least that's what I wanted to do.
0: Where'd you go to high school?
1: So I went to uh, King on the North side Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So beyond uh, um, high school. So you went to UWM. uh, Did you study music?
1: No, I was actually. um, So a lot of like the programs in high school that I was in, like behind the scenes or whatever, when we were seniors, like trying to figure out where we wanted to go for school and stuff like that there were a few music programs that they'd recommend, but, you know, they were like very private and just very, you know, uh, expensive, I guess, for lack of a better term. And then, so I kind of just played it safe, but they you know, it was also kind of one of those things, like if I'm going to UWM, I could probably utilize that time to like get a different degree or get it like a, I guess a backup is, you know, kind of the term, but, so I actually went for economics, and then uh, pol- political science is my minor.
0: Man, blue bar smells like a pool, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> Dude, you know what's funny? I try and forget most of my experience at UWM, but like, uh, yeah, I and then also, there. What are those old buildings on? Um, like the Merrill, is it the Merrill yeah. building?
0: Merrill, Holton, and uh, Johnston Hall. Yeah.
1: There was like, I don't know if there was mold in the walls, but like at one of the entrances, like the main entrance to like the one of the side ones, Mm -hmm. always like I hated it because I'd walk in and be like, dude, what is like, why does it smell like that? And it was definitely like something to do with the structure. Like it was only in that spot and then it just like go away. But (laughs) that's my that's my uh, smelling memory of of UWM. But Yeah,
0: that's fair. uh,
1: I didn't hate it. I think just to me, I was trying to, like, get done with college as fast as possible because I knew that, like, I wasn't I wasn't there for, like, a career necessarily. I was more just, like, trying to get, like I said, the backup plan or whatever and
0: ended up doing
1: that and getting out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I, I look back. I actually had an episode last night where my guests and I were talking about, like, college and like whether or not it was like some people don't value it so much um some people just don't feel like it's for them like I definitely value my college experience and I'm glad I went I met you know a lot of great people and I learned a lot but yeah it's just like I feel like the whole concept of like especially when you're a liberal arts degree like I was like
1: what was your degree
0: journalism yeah um but I minored in psych and comm dual minor but um yeah like it's just like it's not you don't have much guarantee with college with a liberal arts degree like I mean jobs look like but it's just so competitive so honestly like the best thing you can do which is kind of exactly what I ended up doing was like going the DIY route for a while until you get picked up by somewhere that pays you, <laughs> yeah. you know?
1: Absolutely. Do you, uh, when you went there, cause didn't the journalism program kind of change up a bit? I don't know if that happened while you were there before, but didn't they kind of, did they end up getting rid of it with some of the cuts or was it?
0: Um, they did get, they changed it. Um, yeah. I mean, budget cuts happened like within like my first 2 years actually and then um there i don't know if the the there was one staff member that left and he was like the big broadcasting guy and i was broadcasting and so they kind of like had to change the whole program and change the courses up a lot and um yeah uh our the journalism program like I mean, it was resourceful, but there are I mean, there's definitely ways it could have been improved. Um, you know, like I feel like it's very theory based rather than, you know, really pushing for hands on work. You know, like I and that's ultimately what gets you jobs. Um, is like the hands on, like more um like uh, technical aspects but, but yeah i mean god might agree i know how to write <laughs> so <laughs> well and so you
1: went there during the election too that must have been like
0: man it? sam if i dude <laughs> the day I, after trump won the election was the single most depressing day of school ever yeah.
1: we don't have to talk much about it but i'm just saying like being in the journalism field I feel like that'd be pretty wild like the classes yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah we
0: had to go around a, that morning the morning after he won we had to go around the, the UWM union and ask people about their reactions and yeah. to, to, to ask people that are literally like living in fear treating sure. them for, as a grade yeah, like a
1: study
0: or whatever. Yeah, yeah it right. sucks as a subject of your of your study yeah um, so, um, did you, were you still drumming a lot playing music when you were in school?
1: Yeah, I think that's when, so like when I attended UWM, that's when I kind of found out like what I wanted to do with drumming. You know what I mean? Cause obviously I wasn't going to get like a music degree. So I wasn't necessarily thinking about teaching music at the time. And, um, I was working with kids, but I didn't, I don't know, didn't put two and two together there. It was kind of just like, well, I'll teach kids and then I'll also, you know, do music because I felt it was like my thing or whatever, you know. But uh, so then, yeah, just kind of played around in some like jazz groups. And actually, um, there's a group called the Milwaukee Jazz Vision that started when I was in college. And that's run by Jamie Brevik, who's like a mm. trumpet player. Really awesome dude and like super just like, his foresight on a lot of things is just like very he wants to help out. He's also a teacher himself. So like, you know, he's got that kind of tinge to whatever he's doing. And and yep. I really liked what he was doing with that group. They were like providing just outlets um, for people to who were my age, like underage at the time to play. And then um, also just like for youth uh, under me as well. But anyway, so yeah, that kind of started with just like some jam sessions every week and like we were we were hosting, you know, one jam session a week for a lot of the jazz players. Yeah. And that kind of like sparked an idea for me to just like, you know, start kind of going into hip hop and stuff like that or at least the music, not necessarily just hip hop, but music that I kind of like to listen to more. Um not that I didn't like jazz, but also liked other stuff too. So, um yeah, so I started a group in like 2013 or so that was kind of just like live instrumentation for uh, a lot of rappers or we would host these monthly shows where um, like uh, that Von Alexander at that time.
0: <laughs> Shout yeah, out to Vonnie.
1: Yeah, uh, and like different artists from Milwaukee would come in and we would learn their music in about a month's time. And then they would put on, we would put on a show at the end of that month with their music with like a full live band and all that stuff. And then I guess that's kind of why now I, I do like just at least on drums or whatever, playing behind like a Genesis Renji or a Nile or whatever, just because it, it's kind of like that same, same vibe. But yeah, I'd say 2013 was kind of when I started to figure out like jazz and hip hop can coexist, at least in Milwaukee's scene. And I think it had before that, but... Just in my mind,
0: you know? Yeah, I, I, I mean, definitely, like, you know, obviously, hip hop um, originated, like, was heavily, like, inspired by jazz and that kind of stuff. So, like, they definitely go hand in hand. Um, so, um, as the years went on, like, uh, did you just kind of, like, keep playing, like, on the side from work?
1: Yeah, exactly. So it was really just like a a relationship where I would... um, So at that time, I think I was with the Boys and Girls Club. And so I'd work for them. And then I would do whatever gigs or whatever were after work or rehearsals and stuff like that. Um, And then, yeah, now I'm kind of just doing the same thing, but just a little bit more, you know, refined. And (laughs) I don't want to use the term selfish but it's in that ter- in, the, in that lane where I have learned how to turn my my two passions for teaching and music into you know have them coexist a little bit better. So that's that's kind of what I've been working on. Nothing nothing too dramatic but it's it gets the job done, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how did um how did Smoke and Mirrors kind of uh form?
1: Yeah right. So um, that's actually it ties in a lot because uh, I met Gabe at who is the organ player slash bassist, but he does both um, at a jam session at Rochambeau, actually. And oh wow! Was, yeah, believe it or not, that was in like 2014 or 2013 as well. And then actually that it might have been even earlier, like 2012. But regardless uh we did like the jam sessions for a while and me and Gabe just kind of vibed like as people i mean like we were just good friends and he was a drummer slash you know keyboard player obviously and he was just a cool guy so we kept in touch and then uh like 2 years ago he hit me up he said do you want to start rehearsing i got a funk outfit that i'd like to try out and i was like yeah sure i'm not really doing much so uh yeah, that's pretty much as simple as that. And then like Pete, the saxophone player, just knew Gabe through kind of like another tangent of I think Gabe's college life. So yeah, Gabe kind of brought that one together and I'm kind of glad he did because we're doing a lot of fun music that I really like playing. So
0: Yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, yeah, shout out to Gabe. I used to, I used to see him walking his dog like on the corner of my last house all the time like right by circle A
1: yeah every time uh, he, he'll he be walking his dog the same day that I'll be like rehearsing at another house or something like that and he'll just come by and talk for a while or whatever he's just such a nice guy dude
0: yeah definitely um, I never so I probably should just look this up but the term smoke and mirrors like what exactly does that mean
1: Oh, that's a good question I think um, I would say I think generally I know it to mean like it's so if I were to say like oh yeah that that show is just a lot of smoke and mirrors not that I take it to be like a negative thing but <laughs> like to me that's always been a thing like almost just like a funny ironic thing because to me it is like a gimmick like if a, a magician does something with smoke and mirrors it's not really the trick it's the gimmick behind the trick that gets oh yeah Ooh and, ah. and there's not many gimmicks with us I, I mean Gabe Gabe uses a loop pedal so maybe that's like the smoke and mirrors behind it maybe that's what he had in mind and it, it works but yeah I don't, I don't know
0: I think yeah. that's what it, might have to fact check after this is over because I do hear that phrase from time to time Yeah, don't quite actually know what it refers to but sure um
1: used it myself so like yeah (laughs) i'll I'll check with Gabe, and then i'll i'll cross-reference that with google and we'll see what we'll see what happens
0: yeah let's do that um so uh so yeah like so how long has the group like been on the scene i think like two
1: years and like we started playing gigs pretty soon after we started i think Just like, you know, because Circle A was right down the street from Gabe, and Gabe does a really good job with uh, just communication with, you know, club owners or restaurants, whatever it is, Um, and the group was just pretty versatile, like, yesterday, which was wild, we did our first uh, indoor gig with masks and everything, and it was just, like, pretty cool, because it was dinner music, and, like, usually I would not particularly care for that kind of gig but like it was it was surprise. it was refreshing I guess we could say like it was just really nice and so we did that so we can be background music and then we've also done like porch shows at, uh, at Gabe's at Gabe's place to the park across the street which have been cool and it's like cool to have that juxtaposition you know
0: oh yeah you guys played a uh, snail's crossing recently didn't you yeah
1: Dude, the first time we were going to play that, me and the sax player were like, eh, I don't know about this. Like, (laughs) I'm like pretty, like, if you've ever seen me drum, like, I'm pretty reserved in terms of, like, I'm not the most out there person or, like, extroverted personality. So, like, when he said a porch show, I was just like, oh man, this is kind of, this could be very awkward, you know, like, this could be weird. And then after the first show, me and the sax player were like, dude, I mean, after a few drinks and all that, but like, We were like, dude, holy shit! Like, let's do this again. So we ended up doing it again, and it was even better the second time. So like, yeah, Gabe, Gabe has a plan, and and you know I've learned that whether I agree or disagree, I think he usually has like everyone's best interests in mind. So
0: that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I want. I remember my girlfriend and I wanted to go, but um, we were still waiting for our COVID results. So yeah, we just yeah, so we had we had a hold off, but um yeah, so um and you guys released a record, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, oh Jesus, now I can't remember like when we recorded that. I think see the pandemic's like putting that's where it's putting like this weird time stamp on everything cuz I can't even remember, but I think we released that last fall, I want to say.
0: Here, I'll do a little uh I'm doing a little fact check for you. Yeah. Um, Wolf Party, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wolf Party, you, you dropped it on my birthday, actually. No shit. January 11th. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, tell me a little bit about, from what you recall, um, like, what the process of that record was like.
1: So, I definitely recall the recording process. Like, that was... A long process but it was a super fun like time so we recorded at uh Gabe's buddy uh Fred's place in River West and it like to me the vibe of like just how we did it was like so typical DIY but also kind of like man if this could be a movie like this is what it would look like if somebody ran like a DIY studio in a movie or something like that so it was basically like in his living room we recorded and then so he had it all decked out though so it was like guitars on the walls and like mics were hanging from ceilings and stuff like that and I was like dude holy shit and then he had like a couch set up in like his living room area but it was also the listening area and stuff like that so to me that that Project, what sticks out is just the recording process. Like, it was super fun to go there, even though it did take, like, I think we recorded over the course of maybe like two months or something like that. Might have even been longer. Like, it was just always a fun time to go there. You know what I mean? Like, it was never, it was never like something that was laborious for me to, like, oh shit, I gotta go record today. It was like super fun.
0: It wasn't a chore. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, was... no, I never felt like a chore.
0: You're just like, Fuck yeah. We're gonna go record today. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well and so like from a drumming perspective, I play I play these very small I don't know how much sense this is gonna make, but like I play these very small like jazz kits most of the time, which are like just tinier than your average drum set. And Fred had this monstrous like punk rock rock kit and so that was fun because I could just like as hard as I wanted it it felt like something it took me out of like a, a zone that I hadn't been in or that took me out of a zone that I had been in for a while of just like the jazz drum set and stuff like that I was like well this would be fun for a while And I just tore that thing apart you know so that was cool
0: so that is that sounds like a really good time sounds like it would even be fun to watch as like a spectator like oh yeah I was just like you know sipping on a beer like watching you guys from like afar. I bet it would be a great time.
1: Yeah. Oh, dude. And then the jokes get flying and stuff like that. So
0: Once the jokes start flying, then it's like, man, I feel like I'm in the band, but I'm not in the band.
1: <laughs> not exactly, dude. It, it was just a, a wild time. But. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Uh, what are you guys working on now?
1: Yeah, dude, we just, uh, we recorded again about a month the go, I think. And then um, so me and Holden, so for Streetlight Society, we also do like mixing and mastering and stuff. Not on like, a, I wouldn't say we're on like a ultra professional level, but we know enough to get the job done. So we've been kind of going, working with that. So he came and helped record that. And then I uh, mixed it down and everything. So Yeah, we should have another project, hopefully within, you know, by the end of the year. But, you know, things happen and don't happen, so we'll see. But, I, you know, if I were to say, I'd say before the end of the year, there should be another, like, three or four track little
0: project. Hey, man, we love to see that. Um, Yeah, I mean, we got to get more jazz and funk on uh, breaking and entering. So we'll be looking for it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, and then uh, how'd you get in uh, cahoots with uh, the rappers known as Niall and Genesis Renji? Um, the guys you drum for. Jen, I've,
1: Jen, I've been drumming with uh, since like, yeah, twenty again, like 2013, college years, kind of 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. So he, I mean, that's just a person, that's like my brother to me, you know, it's like, we're, it's like the Gabe thing. Again, we're, we're such good friends and stuff that that's just somebody that I always enjoy playing with. Um, so that's always going to be there. And that's, you know, that's going to be a thing forever. But I think, um, with Nile, that one's cool. Cause like, I had posted a random video on my Instagram of like, I like took his verse and then I was like, dude, Nile has a very like melodic and off kind of flow to him which is super unique to me and just as like a jazz drummer that spoke to me you know what I mean so like it put me in that realm again of like well dude I could listen to his verse and like I wanted to put that on drums you know what I mean so I took his verse and I put it on drums and then I like posted it and he was like oh dude this is dope and I had no like I didn't know him at the time. You know what I mean? I just knew that he had dropped this project. So yeah, uh, he, I think at a show with nothing happened. Like he just said, Oh dude, this is dope. You know? And I was like, yeah, thanks. And then I saw him at a show and we started, you know, I think the more when you see somebody face to face and you're able to talk with them, it's a little bit easier to uh, maneuver schedules and stuff, but he's like, yeah, man, I think I want a band. And I was like, yeah, I think that's probably like the best, best way to go about it. If you can do it, you know, it's, it's a lot of coordinating and stuff like that, but yeah, definitely the best. I mean, that's what I would prefer, you know? And uh, so he made it happen. And so we play with uh, Jane and Jeanette. Jeanette's the bass player and Jane is like an extremely talented multi-instrumentalist. So, you made it happen, and that was like so. That's been really cool too to play with like live instrumentation behind a rapper again.
0: Totally, that's so cool, man. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that you could be involved with Nile. Like he's now is one of the most interesting rappers in the scene. Like he's got such a like, like um, pretty experimental and like just different take on hip hop music. But he's got But he brings that with such a, like, really, like, intense passion. And, like, I've talked to him a couple times about it. And he's very, very, like, fervent on bringing the most energy, even if it's, like, five people in the crowd. Like, he's going to bring absolute hell. And I, I admire Nile for that reason, that, like, he's just so you know, he doesn't uh, compromise himself whatsoever, because he just loves what he does so much, and um, yeah, I I actually haven't seen him with the full band, so once shows are a thing again, um, I'd love to see you guys.
1: We did, we did, like, a live stream for Cactus Club, which was honestly, like, a learning experience for me, because I was, like, more worried about the sound and stuff, and, like, I brought like a mixer and I was like, all right, this is my test. You know what I mean? Like this is in terms of sound engineering and stuff. I was like, all right, I want to accomplish this. I want to be able to have this sound good, you know? Yeah. So that's what I was worried about. But then afterwards, when I watch it back, I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like even for a live show, Niall, or even for like a, a not live live show, like Nile brought an intense energy and it's like, dude, how the hell are you bringing that much energy when there's literally n- you're like you're rapping to a camera, you know what I mean?
0: So yeah, exactly, <laughs> but I love that so much um, yeah. And he's, yeah
1: like he, what I like about him too is like he's young and he has a clear vision of what he wants to do, you know what I mean, so it's like it's like that perfect mix of like like youthful, naive, and then also just like experienced professionalism and also just kind of wants to like make it happen you know so it's like i don't know it's super fun to be around him and he's a really good guy too same same kind of thing
0: yeah like yeah i saw him at the black is beautiful ride like a month ago and um you know like he made a point to to greet me and we talked for a little bit and You know, I just really appreciate it. I mean, it's like, it's small, but it's like these days, like, I just really appreciate people that, you know, will go up and actually like, see what you're up to. And um, it was right when he dropped his new EP. So um, I remember he was like, I was like, yeah, I'm super excited for the EP. And he's like, well, it dropped last night. And I was like, shit, gotta go listen. I want to get home. So I did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Shout out to Niall, and shout out yeah. to Jen, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, something that leads us to the final chapter here is uh, Streetlight Society. Um, so tell me a little bit about this uh, this uh, initiative you got going on here.
1: Yeah, so it's me and then my buddy Holden, who – this is – yeah, now I'm thinking about it. It's a common theme. but So me and Holden went to high school together, actually, at King. And then um, – he started just like fucking around with beats and shit and he went to Madison. And and so when he came back after he graduated, we just started meeting up like once a week. And at that time producing for me, um, I think we were probably about at the same level in terms of like how long we had both been kind of seriously producing or as serious as as you can be after doing it for that long. But um, so we got together like once a week. And then we were like well let's drop this like mini little project that's like these covers that we remixed and all this stuff and it was very weird and just out there and experimental and we were like all right let's just drop this and then go from there and then yeah we were like well let's just name it and then you know it's like the tumbleweed you know so it just like keeps steamrolling and uh so now where we're at is we started a series called uh don't quantize my shit which is kind of the idea that what we started with, which is like, you know, don't, we can do whatever the hell we want. Basically it's there, there are no rules with, with music. So um, that's like a video series, but then we tie it into the production that we actually want to push out to people. So uh, this last season we did, which was like the second season, we did um, some sample packs every week. Mm, so yeah. we'd, go the, we'd go to the Goodwill buy a toy and a record and then we'd sample the record obviously we can't use that so like that was just kind of like the fun thing but then the toy that we sampled we actually like distributed out to people and once we started doing that like we just realized what our audience was or like who was actually listening to what we were doing it was just like a lot of producers so we linked up with like a few producers on instagram and all this stuff and they they you know, really helped us out with getting our sample packs out and stuff like that. But the the thing I like about that is like, as producers, we're able to work with other producers, like as a drummer, if I'm looking for jobs, it's almost like a drummer's compliment doesn't mean as much as a saxophone or, or another instrument who could potentially hire me, you know what I mean? So with producing, that was a cool thing that I had never experienced before, where other producers, um, you know, drummers are supportive of each other. But with this production thing, it was like, we were actually seeing downloads, and people are actually like, buying our stuff offline, just based on the fact that they then can use those sounds in their beats. And I was like, well, dude, this is awesome. Because like, so right now, we have a bunch of free ones, like on Bandcamp and stuff. But That have been doing like decently well at least for what i expect you know um and then the other thing we do is we work with just like a lot of dope artists that we like so um one is emmett james we actually work with shout out to emmett he's dope yeah we have enough
0: yeah hear yams Yeah,
1: yeah so it's funny with emmett like he'll it's another thing where we're good friends with him so like He'll call us and be like, hey, he'll just randomly FaceTime be like, what's up? And then he'll just like show us what he's working on or whatever. And it's really cool because I feel like Emmett has some of the most creative ideas, you know, in terms of just like marketing whatever he wants and however he wants to do it. Yeah. So it fits in with kind of our vibe. So we've worked well with him. We actually have a project that we've been releasing singles for, but now we're putting it together into like a tape. It's called uh, When the Streetlights Come On. And then, um, yeah, uh, Sebas Fuentes. Oh, yeah. Brown's crew, yeah. Mm. Probably should have mentioned Brown's crew first. But, yeah, Brown's crew, and he's been just kind of meeting up with us and, and, uh, like, making just music, you know. And a lot of it, too, is just chilling and talking. I mean, the world's a fucked up place right now, and it's just crazy. So a lot of it is just talking about a lot of that shit, and, and airing that out, and then saying, alright, let's make some music now. <laughs> like, let's, yeah. let's do something that we enjoy, and whatever. So, yeah, we've been working with a few artists, that, and Jen, obviously, we work with Jen, too, and he's always, like I said, he's always kind of a staple. Um, Maul himself, as well, is gonna be... Love um, Maul, dude. Maul's one of the
0: kindest, most genuine dudes I know.
1: Isn't he? And, like, that's the thing, dude. He's like a, people sleep on him, but it's like, I don't think they know how, like, this dude is so talented. It's, it's yeah.
0: ridiculous. Yeah, but. his new record was unlike anything I've heard all yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's that's exciting. So, so, you said you've got a you're dropping a tape.
1: Yeah, with Emmett. Um, so, that's September sixteenth or something like that I think oh wow. and then yeah. um between Holden and myself, we're working on a uh we're calling it a remix tape, but it's called uh Ratman, which is an an acronym, and then that's going to be more in tune with our production side, so we took a bunch of verses that uh all the rappers we work with give us and uh they kind of, we just chopped them up and put them over some live beats and just, so like I said, we're kind of like putting the live touch on Streetlight Society a little bit. So yeah, we'll oh.
0: see. Oh, cool, man. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, man. Well, Sam, it was great to talk to you. I really, uh, you know, it's, I, I feel like it's really easy to hang out with you, but also like, you know, you're a hardworking musician and um, yeah, I mean, the scene needs people like you, so I uh, yeah, man, I hey, dude, I mean, if it weren't for something like this, I'd go crazy. <laughs> right? Yeah, especially with everything going on this year. So so as we're uh, closing up here, uh, Sam, tell me what keeps you up at night. Oh,
1: man. Everything going on, <laughs> Everything, yeah. All the crazy going on right now.
0: Yeah, that's that's legit. Actually, that's...
1: last I can specify it. Last night it was, uh, or sorry, yeah, the night before last it was the Bucks. But oh yeah.
0: yeah, Giannis is gonna stay. He said he's gonna stay.
1: No, no,
0: he's in. He's in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what puts you to sleep?
1: Oh, man, knowing that tomorrow is another day, as simple as that.
0: Yeah, Whatever I mean,
1: in the past, it doesn't matter. I think tomorrow, at least there's tomorrow. Same thing that keeps me up is the same thing that uh, lets me go to bed at some point.
0: Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it may be corny, but it is valid as fuck. Tomorrow is another day. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sam. Um, yeah, I look, you bet, man I look forward to hearing the new Smoke and Rear, Smoke and Mirrors record as well as the Streetlight Society tape with Evan James and the remix tape from you guys um, For everyone watching, I'll be posting links to uh, the music the projects that Sam Casale is involved in and uh, thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy, as always we'll see you next time